the double standard is just unreal. Yeah. But I really appreciate you like taking the, like the step to just bring some of us to light because it's like a lot, there's so many guys that I've had conversations with that are just like, oh yeah, I don't really know many girls where there could be more than one on a lineup. And I'm like, I've had like seven on my show this year. And then the next thing I'm told is like, oh, there's not a lot of good girl producers that could be playing at EDC and stuff like that. Uh, I'm like, Alice in Wonderland is like larger than life. So is Rez. So is <laughs> so many other female producers. What's going on, Society members? Welcome to another episode of the Underground Society podcast. And if you are new, welcome to the show. This podcast is a place where you get to know some of your favorite up-and-coming talent and speak to some industry professionals in the EDM industry. I'm your host, Justin McGarry. And on today's episode, we have LA-based trap artist Ghost in Real Life, who played a show for us in Sacramento just a few months back. Um, that's actually where we met. And since you guys have been asking me for a trap artist on the show, I thought she would be the perfect fit. Uh, one thing that you guys know that I like to push on this platform is the women in our industry. And lucky enough, we actually talk a lot about that in this episode. Before we get into the episode, just a few reminders there are two links in the description of this episode one of them is the link to the underground society playlist called society selects that's available on spotify and the other one is our facebook group the society meeting room for all of you guys interested in getting more involved go click those when the episode is finished to find out more information hey this is chris and you're listening to the underground society podcast the show is going to start here soon so just sit back and enjoy the ride i'm with the air vdm an all-encompassing lifestyle brand surrounded and inspired by the electronic dance music culture. We are a magazine, lifestyle-inspired monthly subscription box, and event company. Our main focuses are on the music and community. Give us a follow and see what is happening next with us at Era of EDM. Again, at E-R-A-O-F-E-D-M. To start things off, we have a song titled Chicane from Quicks and Jewels. Enjoy the episode, guys.
Following that one is a song called Surface Wave, which is Hex Cougar's collab with Rem K that was released on his debut album last year. Um, I personally am a huge fan of Hex Cougar, and I think his writing is so unique compared to any other trap artist. Um, honestly, kind of surprised that this is the very first song that I've ever included on this podcast of his.
That last one was Troy Boy's new track called Busted that he released in August. To be completely honest, I've never been that big of a Troy Boy fan, but this one just had something different to it that really made it stand out to me. Anyways, it's now time to get into the interview, followed by a 30-minute guest mix with Ghost in Real Life. So on today's show, we have something a little different. We have, I think, our first trap artist on the show. So I'm excited to have you on, Ghost in Real Life. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. I asked this question just before we hopped on the interview, but you live in LA now, uh, but you're not originally from there, right? Where are you originally from? I'm actually from New Jersey. I lived there most of my life. I did randomly spend like one year in Maryland for my dad's job, but we quickly moved back to New Jersey and I spent the rest of my high school years there. Gotcha. How was that? I'm not very familiar with the East Coast. Um, it was like, you know, it was suburbs. Um, yeah. I grew up on the Jersey Shore, so my summer job was always working on the beach. Did you have uh, the Jersey Shore experience? <laughs> um, as a worker, not as a, as worker. a vacationer. Yeah, I know everyone that Jersey Shore. So I, I've never been a fan, but were you a fan of that show back <laughs> I like boycotted it as a kid. (laughs) I was just like, I don't like this show. And like the people that it brings to like my town. I was just like, (laughs) do you actually, do you know if that's actually like, did they shoot it there and everything? Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you ever run into those people? Yes. Oh boy. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. And especially because like Polly D, I think his name is like, he's like a DJ too. Like he's played in Sacramento for us um, at some club shows, but Looking at those guys and like becoming an EDM DJ yourself, like <laughs> I can understand the boycott. Um, so I wanted to get into a little bit of your artist project. Where did the name Ghost in Real Life come from? Um, so I actually had a different name before I was Ghost in Real Life. I went by Miss Beltran and I kind of made that up on a whim. And I just never really liked it. Okay. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm trying to do something cool. So I need to come up with something that fits me and what I'm about. So I looked up acronyms for girl and the Uh, first choice was ghost in real life on like the first website i chose i was like you know what i really like that yeah i like it a lot too i know (laughs) surprisingly enough i actually know a lot of artists that have ghost in their name so it's kind of like a common theme in edm i feel like yeah and you know what like it's all love i mean everyone's like a different kind of ghost i guess oh yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) so if, if you were an actual ghost what kind of ghost would you be then I would definitely be like one of those ghosts that like play pranks on people and kind of like mess around with them. Like, you know, like take something that they've put down and move it somewhere else. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Roll roll a ball down like the living room or something like. Yeah. That's funny. I would take full advantage that like people cannot see me. Mess with people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Being that's your name. Does that play into the type of music and how does that play into like your songwriting of like the kind of music that you produce and perform? I kind of like that the name is a little genreless. Like when you think of ghosts in real life, you think of like, I'm trying to make it so that you think of a person or like, like a whole being rather than like, oh, this is a trap artist or like, oh, this is electronic music. Because it's like, as I build my artist, mm-hmm. like even before I was ghost in real life, I've always noticed that I'm constantly evolving and I kind of wanted to create like a platform where I could maybe start off doing one thing and then maybe go into doing something else. Being ghost in real life, I've made it more about like the fact that it spells out girl. And it's also the theme of being ghost. Like I made it so that like, I'm invisible. Like you don't really see me. You know, and that's how I've always constantly felt in the music industry. So I guess that's how the name kind of comes into play. Which is kind of cool that you're on the Underground Society podcast because not being seen, you're definitely taking like the underground approach. So um, thank you for being on the show today. Um, yeah. I want to talk about your musical background too, because I read in your press kit that you started in indie, right? Oh, man. <laughs> I've done a lot of different things. Okay. I started out in high school. I called myself Maggie's in a Cup. I sang singer songwriter indie pop songs at open mic nights around New Jersey. Nice. <laughs> I'm very cute. And then I went off to college and started a punk ska band. And then I was like, you know what? I like singing and writing songs. So then I did like a pop singer thing called Marilyn. I wore like a blonde wig. And I actually confused a lot of people. Like people asked me if I had a twin sister or if like this was actually somebody else. It was very funny. (laughs) um, I got tired of doing that after like a year. 
And then I started Miss Beltran after I worked in some recording studios because I actually came out to LA to be an audio engineer. But it just like wasn't the lifestyle I imagine it to be. What about it makes you say that? <sighs> the hours one and two. Okay. Just like the idea that I have to go into work with a mindset of preparing myself to deal with difficult people. Yeah. was you're, just, ta- you're talking as an audio engineer, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's like they train you to be like, oh, you're gonna have to deal with really emotional, angry people. And I'm like, I don't really want to deal with that kind of just Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it could have been like the studios that I just like got hired at, but yeah. just like I worked at two and after two, I was just like, okay, I'm over this. I feel that. So I, I was that. more of a producer anyway. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll try Miss Beltran. And then I was like, that's not a right fit. And now I'm ghost in real life. And I'm pretty happy with it. The previous project was at electronic as well? Yeah, Miss Beltran. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of doing the same thing. But I feel like with Ghost in Real Life, I definitely really feel like I've brought out this darker side musically. And I'm I'm actually pretty comfortable with it. It's, it just feels nice to be finally under a moniker that like, I feel like I can really be myself. Yeah, so. you can relate with. That's important. Very important. Yeah. Um, what originally got you into the EDM scene instead of like everything else that you did prior to that? I've been listening to EDM since I was a senior in high school. I was so against it and I was so against like electronic and stuff. I was such a punk when I was, such an, <laughs> I was a kid. I was like, real instruments only, blah, blah, blah. To be completely honest, that's how I used to be too. Because I grew up like, listening <laughs> to like words, pl- yeah, classic rock, country. Like I listened to mainly that when I was growing up. Like I started listening to EDM when I was like 10 or so. But like prior to that, like early on, I only listened to stuff that had like live instruments. And then for a while I was like, when I was like starting to listen to like Skrillex and Deadmau5, I was like, this stuff's really cool, but like there's no real instruments. And then <laughs> eventually it grew on me and now I'm 14, 15 years later. And yeah, now I only listen to EDM. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's what kind of happened to me. Like I, my whole family, we all went to like punk shows together. Okay. We were all like into stuff like that. Like my father would take us out to like this like Christmas punk show. Um, I can't remember the band name at the moment. He's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> But we would go see like no effects at the Stone Pony together as a family. Like my whole me and my oh, brother. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we were all like into punk music. And but then like when I I started listening to more like pop stuff on my own, and my brothers would kind of judge me for it. So it's something I very much kept to myself yeah. until like I got to college and I can didn't have two dudes like shadowing over me and being like, that's not cool. They're not playing real instruments. <laughs> And the more I got into learning like production, because before production, I was actually trying to be a composer. Like when I was in high school, I was like scoring plays, like violin parts. I would just figure it out. And like I was, I wrote a 16 page choir piece, like with all the four part harmonies Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I loved it. But as soon as I got my hands on a computer and I could figure out what I could do with Ableton, I was just like, this is kind of cool. Like, this is fun. Like I felt like I had less boundaries. Yeah. And creativity. And I bet you're especially producing trap. You're like, I like bass sounds. (laughs) I like heavier stuff. (laughs) You know what? That's the thing though. That's why I like trap music because it's more than just the bass. True. Yeah, you, look at guys, you look at guys like R.L. Grime and stuff, like they actually have like a lot of like pretty instrumental through their music. I like I'm sure you know, you know Kate Rossi, right? Yeah. She, I love her. She's originally from NorCal. She's like I watched her go from like a local to like Floss just brought her on EDC stage this weekend. So it's been a cool like journey watching her grow. But um even her music is like very or like the people that like she hangs around, Hex Cougar, like all those guys. It's not just like bass music, it's trap, but it's also like instrumental throughout too so it's very musical and yeah. i love that like i love dubstep or whatever like i'll work with dr- oh, like yeah. dubstep producers like they're really cool but again like i feel limited there with but with trap music most of the time your bass is just an 808 pattern and then yeah. you get yeah. to do these like tricky things over on top of it because like i mean i come from like classical music background as well as a jazz music background oh so, wow. okay yeah I know, like all the yeah. things. <laughs> does that does having all that background really help you in like producing now? Like, is it, do you think it's a lot easier? You skipped a lot of steps from having a different background than like just first getting into like producing music, 
producing trap, like you have other stuff that you've learned. Do you take other pieces of jazz and indie and stuff like that and infuse that kind of stuff into your writing now? Oh, totally. Okay, cool. I I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, it's funny because I didn't actually think it would help me. I Like, sometimes I get down on myself and I feel like, man, that was such a waste of time, you know, but it wasn't. You know, like that's what's I feel like is going to differ me from like a lot of producers. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like I'll go and I'll start like I'll get in a um, collab session with somebody and I'll be able to like figure out a key without using an Ableton tuner. That's nice. You know, it's like, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, man, like I've been doing this for years. (laughs) Did you you go to school for any of that or? Yeah. So I was such a music nerd in high school. All of the music teachers hated me actually because I was too (laughs) smart. Um, I, (laughs) and that's the difference you between an actual up and coming artist versus a teacher who teaches music, (laughs) very different path. (laughs) Oh, they hated me. (laughs) And my, and my last high school teacher hated me so much. He actually refused to teach me at some point and just handed me a book. (laughs) What the heck? And then I came back at him with a 16-page choir piece. So jokes on him. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but um then I actually went to Berkeley College of Music for four years. Okay. And that's where I started learning like audio production and stuff. One other thing I wanted to touch on was you're signed to Prism Talent Agency. Um, I just wanted a little information on like how that happened for you because I know being with an agency, it makes a huge difference for an artist. Did they approach you or did you know someone who was signed to them? Or It was kind of like a friendly conversation that was bound to happen. Okay. Well, I got really close with Alexis Cleopatra. We've had her on the show a couple months ago. She's awesome. Yeah. I'm honestly so grateful for her. She's helped me so much. I don't even know how to repay her. (laughs) But like she just like reached out on the Girl Gang Discord server one day just looking for vocals or like sample pack vocals that weren't on Splice. And I just hit her up. I'm like, dude, like if you need a singer, like I'd be happy to try out. Like I've been a singer my whole life, but it wasn't something I originally was going to make Ghost in Real Life do. Because I really wanted to be seen as a producer before I was a singer. Just because it's like so many times I've walked into studios or situations where I'm like, yeah, I'm a singer. And then people they start talking production as, yeah. and they don't think I know anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's even more challenging, especially like in the EDM world. It's so oversaturated with guys. It's like, that's what I try and do. I try and have a lot of girls on that I think are really awesome, like yourself. Awesome producers that, you know, I feel like the girls kind of get overlooked a lot of the time and the guys, the guy producers don't appreciate and respect like, oh, you're a girl, you don't know. Like, it's almost like a misconception that like, just because you're a girl, you don't know as much as the guys do. Doesn't it make any sense to me? <laughs> I it feel like I know. Sense me either. I feel like more girls. I'm a guy, and I feel like girls are way smarter than guys mo- are most of the time. So <laughs> I feel like when it comes to like producing and like knowing like the science behind everything and the you know the technology, I feel like girls would be like a step ahead from guys, and then they're treated completely opposite. Oh yeah, the double standard is just unreal. Yeah, but I really appreciate you like taking the, the step to just bring some of us to light because it's like a lot. There's so many guys that I've had conversations with that are just like, oh yeah, I don't really know many girls that could be where there could be more than one on a lineup. But I'm like, I've had like seven on my show this year. And then the, the next thing I'm told is like, oh, there's not a lot of good girl producers that could be playing at EDC and stuff like that. Uh, I'm like, Alice in Wonderland is like larger than life. So is Rez. So is <laughs> so many other female producers. <laughs> and it's like, they don't realize that we're like, girls are put in a, a position where we don't have easy access to educational tools. We don't have a group of guy dudes that are unwillingly loyal to us to bring us into the scene yeah so many times it's like i'm just like yo like why isn't there a girl on the lineup but they're like oh but these are my boys so what (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) are they gonna put on a good show dude that's yeah yeah. (laughs) it's more about the quality of the artist in my opinion than yeah even for like this podcast sorry to any of my friends that are listening but like some of my friends aren't quite to that level yet 
And just because they're my boys doesn't mean I'm going to give them any more special treatment. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's fair. Like, go based off talent, not gender. Yeah, totally. I agree. It seems like Prism, they have you, they have Alexis. Do they have other girls on that squad so as well? Far, as far as I know, it's just me, Weird Waifu, and Alexis right okay. now. I, I've heard um, great things about Weird Waifu. Dude, she's the best. Yeah. She's just the she's nicest cool. person in the world. And Which I haven't is, even met her yet. She's like unapologetically herself, it seems like, too. <laughs> no, I love not it. give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Um, she said the nicest thing to me on my birthday. And I can't thank her enough because I That's haven't awesome. even met her yet. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a part of the fam at this point. So other than Alexis, what made you choose Prism Talent Agency over maybe? Did you have any other offers with any other agencies at the time? No, not really. Um, some would say maybe I jumped too quick. But you know what? I saw, I see something in Prism Talent Agency. I love it. They've only been around for like two years. Yeah, they feel pretty fresh. They're just killing it. Yeah, their roster is great. They have Alexis. They have uh, J6 I've had on. I'm trying to think who else. Um, Weird Wavu, obviously, we just said. But um, I think they have Blaze as well, right? You guys have Blaze on your mm-hmm. squad as well? Yeah, they just like, you guys are all like underground artists, but like all like signed to labels or like releasing on stuff or like doing some big shit. So that I feel like their roster is really solid and they're doing things right too. Yeah. And they're just like, I love my agent. Like Austin's great, you know, and they're just like, they're good people. And I like that they're kind of new and up and coming and growing because it's like, I kind of felt like it's something you can grow along with. Right. And I felt like people like, I mean, it would be great to be on maybe UTA or Corson or whatever, but it's like, I felt like there'd be such a long time till I could get on that because they already have their big rosters. Yeah. The rosters are like playing main stages of huge festivals already. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I got to ask this question because I'm curious, what have been like your top three favorite shows that you've played since being with Prism? Well, the Academy, obviously that was, God, that was a dream come true. Zoo was awesome. That was a lot of fun. That was like the first time I actually felt like a connection with a large crowd and like what that is really like. And how many people attended that show? Oh, God, probably thousands. I mean, I was opening. So by the time I was playing, I had at least maybe like 100, 200 people in the crowd. That's a pretty good size. It was in, so in Salt Lake City, it was in that big train station, like outdoor area i think it has like a couple of venues because i know okay. there's an indoor one but they took like the outdoor area which is like a park area okay not just filled up with people that's crazy the listeners of the show know i always like asking this question but um what do you do outside of the music industry because obviously you said you already went to school and stuff do you have an outside job or is your is music pretty much like your full-time life i do have a day job i do technical support I'd rather okay. keep the company under wraps just because I talk to a lot no, of that's people no, you're good. publicly. So I wouldn't want them to know yeah. the connection. But I love my job, my day job. It's easy. I work from home. Nice. The, my coworkers and my managers are super supportive of what I'm doing musically too. Nice. So when you need to come off there, just like, have fun. <laughs> well, they're all like, it's it's music tech. So they're all musicians oh, too. Oh, got you, got you, got you. So they're all just like, I guess all excited for me. like. It's just really cool and supportive. Other than that, I'll do like a lot of mixing, mastering, vocal editing for other people. I mixed somebody's album this summer. You know, I've mastered some of my friends' tunes. My friends always hit me up for vocal tuning and stuff like that. That's a whole other beast, I feel like. Knowing (laughs) mixing, masters, like, it's cool you can put down the idea as like a producer, but I feel like that's the hardest piece of producing. A lot of it is just training your ears. Like what I do mixing wise, like technically speaking, is really not that complex. Okay. Anyone could do it. It's yeah. how you're hearing things. Is How, how is, would you say that someone could train their ear? Because I've heard a lot about this and I know there's certain courses and stuff that you can take about like training your ear, but how would you say that you were able to do that? I mean, I mean you, I, were, you were around him for most of your life, but. Yeah. I mean, I've always listened to music. I have like a bit of social anxiety. So it's like, I'm listening to music most of the time, everywhere I go. It's like easier for me to go grocery shopping with headphones in rather than talking to people. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I went to school for mixing and mastering. Yeah. So like a good example, my mastering engineer 
teacher had us do first semester was, so our classroom was a mastering studio. So it was dead quiet in there. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little, maybe a little anxious sometimes, but yeah, it's going like you don't really know what quiet is until you go into like a fully soundproofed like studio. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not as fun as you think it is. You can almost um, like hear the silence if that makes sense. Like it's so quiet. You can quiet. Like, hear your heartbeat. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People's like lip smacking and everything. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> don't eat in there. <laughs> um, anyways. What we would do in that class was my teacher would actually play frequencies and we had to guess like either like the frequency number or like the range that mm-hmm. we think that frequency is in. And then from there, he would play us a song and then he'd put an EQ on the song and he'd boost or take down like the EQ at like a certain frequency. And we had to guess what frequency that was at. Damn. Yeah. How long did that process take for you to start getting that right? That was a whole semester class. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was a couple months. But even that, it's just like, I mean, that wasn't like the end-all be-all. After that, it's like I had to take that knowledge and apply it. And that took me like maybe, I would say, two or three years to be comfortable with mixing an, an album for somebody. Damn. You know, and asking for a couple hundred dollars to do right, it. Right. Like an actual professional level job. It's like if you're going to be asking for 1K to mix somebody's album, it's like, <laughs> you better be able to like mix the album within a week. How, yeah. How long or how much, just because I don't produce for like a really good mixing and master, what's the rate usually for like a full album? Uh, depends on the person, really. Okay. I mean, I'm experienced, but I'm not like, I don't have credits on like big albums yet. So like, I mean, my rate's a lot lower than what most people's would be, but mixing an album could be anywhere between like, I don't know, I guess for like 12 songs could be like three to 5k easily. That sucks. I know a lot of artists, I mean, most artists nowadays too, like you don't make money off music sales. So like back in the day when I was like, yeah, five grand. It's like, okay, I'm going to make like half a million dollars with all these records sold. So <laughs> that's not that big of a cut. But when you're not making anything and it's just like you're paying five grand to like perform the song, then that's where you're getting your money from. It's a little different. Yeah. Well, I mean, music is just kind of one side of the business. Like a lot of yeah. stuff is coming into play, like a lot of streamers, Yeah. you know, people selling merch. There's many, many ways to make There's- more of your product, you know, yeah. but and unfortunately, thanks to Spotify and SoundCloud and all the streaming platforms, artists have had to get creative with income streams and Patreon and merch sales and yeah, actually it's handling business, yeah, yeah. <laughs> handling your money through other facets than selling music. I yeah. think it's so interesting, like how quickly that changed. As a topic I talk about a lot, but how quickly that changed from like back in like, you know, the seventies and eighties where music was being sold to like now like an artist writes a song, but it's you're not gonna be making money off that, you're gonna be making money off like what that'll do for your overall brand. I know what you mean. Yeah. And I know that's like normal to think like that, but it's yeah. like, if you, if you think Tell about me it, I'm wrong, please challenge this. <laughs> I just like, I've put a lot of thought in this because yeah. this is like a really big doubt with like a lot of musicians today. Um, and being like, Oh, I just can't make money just off of streaming. If you think about it, people in the seventies, like if they got big off of their music, they were going on tours, yeah. they were being put on TV, yeah. they were getting paid to be in commercials. It's like with any company or or product like think of apple yeah apple says hey i'm going to create a mac mm-hmm. and then they have a phone and then they have an ipad you know like ariana grande she's like i'm an actor now yeah. i'm a singer now i have a perfume yep. now i'm on tour like they you got to keep expanding your business it's True. just a way of a business yeah it's challenging to think about. It's like unfortunate to think about because I know like all I was trying to say is basically like artists back in the day used to make like substantial income off just writing music. Where like now it's like you have to have other income streams. So to wrap this up, what should the fans or the listeners of this episode be looking forward to in the next few months before the end of the year with the artist project? Unfortunately, I don't have a ton going on. I might have one more release. I'm kind of taking a bit of a mental health kind of chill out for the holidays type time. 
I might have a few surprises up my sleeve. We'll see. Sweet. Sweet. But I don't know. I, I feel like I, I've toured kind of for the first time this past summer and I haven't really seen my friends or family. So I kind of want to do taking that. A st- taking a step back to yeah. actually take care <laughs> of you instead of being on tour all the time. Right. Uh, and I want to create so much more music. I'm actually writing so much music right now. <laughs> that's the other balance that artists sometimes struggle with is like i'm touring all the time i'm always gone like when do i have time to like sit down and like write music it's i feel like it's a really good idea to take that time to like i'm gonna take a step back and actually just focus on like the product that i'm creating <laughs> instead of worrying about you know going on tour and uh, where did you tour last summer oh i went everywhere okay. it was like kind of came at me with all surprises i was in texas three times damn i was in florida i was in ohio i was in utah you know i was in north california awesome. <laughs> yeah you came up and you came up and played for us uh what month was that i was august. back in like august I august think. yeah august yeah yeah um what can the fans expect in the mix right after this i definitely took more of my kind of futury trap more melodic sounding stuff that i don't usually play sweet so awesome i'm excited yeah. for something different yeah <laughs> i feel like i feel like a lot of artists that we've had on to like they like tailor their mixes which is awesome they tailor their mixes for like okay people aren't going to be i'm not playing this for a crowd people are just going to be like streaming this so i feel like streaming you can experiment a little bit more with like oh i don't normally play this stuff so thank you for experimenting a little bit with your mix and thank you so much again for being on the show it's great to talk to you and hear more about your personal story yeah no problem thanks for having me no problem appreciate it no problem i'll talk to you soon all righty